Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Of course, but uh, also uh, we're trying to have some type of means or mode of uh, recognizing those who have uh, graduated from college or high school or junior high or such, whatever that transition may be. And so we have three uh, individuals tonight that will um, be honored, and they'll have some tables in the back here of the church that people may be able to pass by and get a look at that uh, demarks the milestone in their life. Of, 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 for instance, Brother Alex Mason graduating from college and uh, Mariah McGee and also Raven Adams. Uh, doing a transition from from eighth grade to high school. And so just keep that in mind here for this evening. Church family, I'm going to turn to a few different places of Scripture this morning uh, to look at here today. First will be 1 Peter chapter number 4. We'll also be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and you and Luke chapter number 12. So just a few few different verses of Scripture to kind of set a basis for uh, our subject matter today. We are still in our discipleship series. However, we finished up, or I should say finished up, we did the whole complete lesson of fasting last week. And we squeezed it out. I'm not going to endeavor to do that today. Uh, so I'll try to be mindful of your time. First Peter chapter number 4 and verse number 10. The Bible says, as every man hath Received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The manifold of grace of God. The gift that it's speaking of, of course, is that grace. That gift of grace that God has given to each and every one of us. But that we must minister the same to one another in doing so as being good stewards. And I emphasize stewards. First Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and, again, I emphasize, stewards of the mysteries of God. And so the disciples and the apostles have been uh, called to a position and place to be ministers of Christ, and he had made them stewards of the mysteries of God. You'll remember at different places he said, he said, uh, like some of the parables, they would come back and ask the Lord, well, what meaneth this? And he says, well, to you, it's, it's given to know what the full intention and meaning of this is. For others, it's not necessarily so because he has made them stewards of the mysteries of God. Luke chapter 12 and verse 42, starting. And the Lord said, this is a parable. And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portions of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens and to eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come to come in a day when he looketh not for him in an hour when he sees he is not aware and will cut him 
in sunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And so, again, this is a parable about a wise and a faithful steward, blessed if he, if, if he is that servant that is doing diligently as a wise and faithful uh, steward should do. But if he is being a, uh, a steward that is not keeping to the task in his role of stewardship, then uh, there is judgment that comes unto him. This morning, I want to talk to us uh, for the next few Sundays just along the idea and the concept of stewardship, along the ideas of stewardship. Amen. This morning, I'm going to pray, ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray today, Lord, that you're able to help us, Lord Jesus, in this place this morning. Open our mind and our understanding. Let our attention, God, be toward your word. Let your word, God, find a place, Lord, of lodging in each of our lives. Help us, God, to learn. God, be enlightened with the scripture. Be obedient to it. And we'll not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may, hallelujah, be seated if you stood there in your home today. Hallelujah. Thankful, thankful for you joining us online here in our service. Stewardship, stewardship this morning. Uh, the Bible teaches us throughout God's word concerning uh, the idea and the concept of being stewards or stewardship. It teaches us as Christians that we are stewards, all right? We are caretakers. We are managers of all of the resources that God has placed in our lives, uh, from the onset today concerning the idea of stewardship, it's important to denote that as a steward, uh, we are not the owner of the resource. We are not the owner of the resource, but we are the managers of it. And so we must manage it and we must steward uh, whatever resource it may be in such a way that the actual owner of it has deemed it necessary, as they've deemed it necessary, or at least in accordance with their desires. And so whenever I talk about stewardship, I would say probably by and large, most of the time, people's minds go toward uh, the aspect of tithing and giving uh, whenever we talk about stewardship. But God has made us stewards even beyond just the resource of monetary goods. Uh, we are stewards in various areas of our lives, resources that God has given to us to utilize and to manage. Uh, for instance, this morning and uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about stewardship in more than just one area. We want to talk about this being stewards over our time. We want to talk about being stewards over our talents. We want to talk about then, of course, being stewards over our treasure and being stewards over the testimony uh, that has been given to us. And all of this for the glory of the Lord. And again, as a steward, all of these resources, time, uh, treasure, uh, talent, testimony, all these things are things that the Lord has given to us. He is uh, ultimately the owner of it, but he has given it to us to be stewards over, to manage uh, according to his design, according to his desire. And so the scripture, even in our text in Luke 12, whenever it speaks of the parable of this faithful and wise steward, God promised uh, 
blessing, he promised uh, some things unto the steward that was termed faithful or that was wise. And yet the flip side of that coin is just as true as blessings coming to the faithful and the wise steward as there being punishment, if you want, judgment, if you wish to call it, coming to the one that was unfaithful, amen, with what had been distributed unto their care. And so again, uh, stewardship is very important. We see this in Old Testament and in New Testament, uh, even just not just biblical world, but in the natural world, the culture uh, of, of different peoples and races and nations, uh, stewardship, it was common for uh, wealthy families to assign the man management of their household, the management of their wealth and finances to someone that they deemed trustworthy. Uh, many times they didn't take care of those matters necessarily on their own, but that was delegated to somebody else. They still owned them, but the, the operation and the purpose of uh, distribution and caring for those things was given uh, to somebody else. I believe we have uh, no better example uh, of that as far as back as we can go. I'll go a little further here in just a moment. But a good example of that is found in Genesis 39 uh, concerning the man Joseph who had been uh, sold into slavery. But he ends up finding himself in the house of an Egyptian officer by the name of Potiphar. I want to read, if you will, the first six verses of Genesis 39 because this is really the story of a steward. This is a story, as he's, as he's spoken of here in Genesis 39, of an overseer, a steward. The Bible says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had made and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house. And so here we have Potiphar making Joseph an overseer or for our biblical terminology here, even for our purpose of the lesson today, he made him a steward. He made him a steward over his house, and all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field, verse 6, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had saved the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And so here in Genesis, we have an example, Joseph being an overseer or a steward of Potiphar's household. And note, Potiphar put everything that he had, uh, let's say all of the resources that he had within the hands of Joseph. Amen. And so there's a sense of, of um, uh, no doubt privilege because he had all of his master's things, but also a sense of responsibility. Responsibility, because always in the real uh, world and within the Christian world, pri privilege does not come without responsibility. Privilege does not come without responsibility. And so the Bible tells us even in verse 6 that, that, that Potiphar knew not aught he had save the bread which he did 
eat. In other words, Potiphar had such confidence in Joseph as the steward that he didn't worry or concern himself about any of the resources that he had delegated unto Joseph. He just worried about what he ate from day to day. Mm -hmm. Because he was confident that these were in good hands and he was going to be a good steward. Verses even later uh, re-emphasize this and says that Potiphar committed all into his hands. It even denotes that he kept back, he did not keep back anything from uh, uh, this man and because we see then Joseph was blessed of God and so Potiphar's field and his household was blessed of God because Joseph was operated in such a way of being a faithful and a wise steward all right for the man that was the, the man whose care he was under let's 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 define if we can stewardship or at least uh, Adam Clark in his commentary he gave a definition of a steward he said the steward was the master's deputy in regulating the concerns of the family, providing food for the household, seeing it served out at the proper times and seasons and the proper quantities. He received all the cash, expended what was necessary for the support of the family and kept exact accounts, which he was obliged at certain times to present for examination before the master. All right? Because just because we have order and organization and disbursement of all of the resources never disconnects the fact that the resources are not ours, but it belongs into the master. And so we give account, just as a good accountant that may be managing the affairs of somebody else's business, we give an account to the master uh, concerning how we have divvied up the goods, the use of the goods, or whatever the resource may have been. And so resources uh, that we have, we're entrusted with their management. All right? Hallelujah. Which is not my own thing. For instance, let's look a little further. First Corinthians chapter number 6 and verses 19 through 20. We're going to look at those few verses. Remember... Because we have precedence in, in New Testament scripture, even in the Psalms, that the earth is what? The Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything that is in. And so I think we could come to a plate of agreement today, then say it all really belongs to God. The earth belongs to God. Everything that's in it, it's his. It all belongs to God. He, by virtue of just being creator alone, it is his. It belongs to God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, Verses 19 and 20. What? The Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. In other words, it's you got that because of him. Ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are yours. No, which are God's, which are God's. Remember, our discipleship journey here is about being born again, becoming him, becoming more like him, being reared and raised in his stature and likeness. And so we understand that we are not our own because we've been bought with a price, the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, we belong unto the Lord. Not just our spirit, but our body belongs unto the Lord. These bodies are the temple of the Lord. And the context of this particular scripture, uh, there were people that were practicing fornication, okay? They're practicing fornication. And so the apostle Paul is bringing to the understanding, your body 
is not your own, right? In many respects, your body is just another resource that God has given you to be a steward over. Amen. And so, you know, what we do with this temple, we give an account for the one who owns this temple. And when we look at that, we can look at even our own health. We have been stewards for this body. Amen. And so there's other things that sometimes people bring into their bodies that defile it, all right, uh, that hurt the health of it. But in reality, this bodies that we've been given is a resource that's been given to us by God that we have been made stewards over. And so we are bound to God and we are accountable to God, you know, concerning this resource of our body and our spirit. But again, these are not our own. They belong unto him. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whenever you become a child of the living God, the phraseology, well, this is my life. I'm going to do what I want to with it goes out the door. Amen. In reality, it was out the door before you ever became a Christian because you don't have, you, you don't have the power. You know, he, in a moment, he can take the breath that's from your body. He can do that in just a moment. He has the power to do that. So these things are really given to us as resources. Uh, you can look. You may not want to go there, but you can maybe for me speaking about it. There's another parable. Another one found in Luke chapter number 12. There's, there's a few parables in there outside even the one that I read unto you today. But there is another parable there in Luke chapter number 12 who is speaking about a man who uh, uh, was, was he, according to the parable, considered a rich man. Um, he, he, he had, uh, his barns were kind of full to capacity. Uh, he, had, he had a plentiful amount of fruits and grain and he had a good harvest, and he was asking himself what he's going to do concerning all these fruits that he has, and he made a decision. He was going to tear down the barns that he had, and he was going to build bigger barns and lay up these goods and say to himself, just, just let me read just a few of these. In Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 16, it's not very long. Uh, the Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, Luke 12, 16, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And so here is the individual. If you were to go through those verses and begin to count, uh, you would record about the word I used about six times and the word my used about five times. What am I going to do with my goods? Right? Uh, I, I'm going to take my barn so these my other fruits can fit. Right? And so he, he's really putting a heavy hand of ownership 
on the barns, on the fruits, on the harvest. And uh, really, God's not even mentioned in all of that little uh, dialogue that he's having in that, in that mode of this parable, first of all. But then when we see it all said and done, that God called the man into account concerning his soul, requiring something of him. And all of the treasure that he had put upon the earth in surplus that he thought belonged to him. He realized, you know what? Whenever you die, that doesn't belong to you. It's going to go on to somebody else. And he said, it would be needful for you to lay up your treasure, amen, not for yourself, but that you would have been rich toward God, that you'd been rich toward God. And so, again, this is a man that is a steward, a man that has resources, but how he uses those resources is important in the eyes of God. Here is the fact of the matter. Someday God will call us as the master into account over the resources that he has given into our hand. How we have utilized those things, if we've squandered them, if we've done it wisely, if we've done it inappropriately, if we've only done it to serve ourselves or if we've done things to invest in eternal matters. All right, all these things come to bear whenever we talk about stewardship. Because here is a is a uh, a good principle and theme that if you pull one string of it in Scripture, it kind of bunches up in other places of Scripture. We come to realize that the purpose that God divulges these resources into our care is for the advancement of His kingdom. Okay. He gives us, and we'll look at these a little bit more uh, uh, detailed focus on each, but he gives us time to how can they be a steward over that to use it for my kingdom because I own that. He gives us talent. How can they be a good steward over that to use it for the kingdom? Monetary goods, all these things. How can we use these under our care as a steward, amen, to benefit and advance the kingdom of God, because the reality is stewardship is in many regards taking temporal resources, temporal goods, and, and using them in order to accomplish eternal purposes. Amen. Eternal purposes. The Bible states in 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 17, Paul says to Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world. All right, that they be not high-minded, which is basically don't be arrogant, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who, watch this now, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Isn't that, I mean, that is, that is, so mindful, and that's nice of the Lord because he's given us all things to enjoy. He's given us the time and, and even the resources that come into our, all of those things he's given us to enjoy, amen, but not to the degree of being forgetful of from whence they came. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Because he has given these things to us. Look, going on, that they do good, these individuals, that they would do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute or ready to give, willingly to communicate, and that's, that's conveying the idea of being open-handed, of sharing, all right? Laying up in store for themselves 
a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal lives. So here's the thing. So they've been given, look, rich in this world. And I'm not just talking about monetary things when I say rich in this world. There are other things in this world that we can be accounted rich in. Rich in this world, other resources. He says, all these things have been given to us by God for enjoyment. But again, we must trust not in the, these resource as, resources as much as we do the living God who gave it to us. For the purpose of what? He says, I want you to distribute and give. I want you to be uh, communable with them. I want you to, to share them, be open-handed with them. And primarily that last phrase there, or the last verse, laying up store for themselves but where a good foundation against the day to come what day is it speaking of it's talking about the day that the Lord would come that the day of the rapture that they may lay hold on eternal life so all of these resources that we bring and have within our lives should help us contribute toward amen the eternal welfare or the richness if you will of the Lord Jesus Christ now look the subject of stewardship is found and I think this is good precedent. It's not just found in one place in Scripture. It's found in several areas of Scripture. He tells us several parables in the Word of God concerning stewardship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, allude to a few, uh, maybe pick a few verses here and there out of them. Uh, but in Luke 19 and also in Luke 25, we have two parables that kind of mirror one another. One talks about the parable of the pounds. Another one is called that of the talents. All right. And when we're speaking of talents in the biblical regard here, uh, it's not talking about necessarily uh, a gift or a skill. Although I, I, learned, I learned this week that our word that we use as talent, as gift or skill, is actually etymologically derived from this word talent in Scripture, which is kind of neat. But nonetheless, when we're talking about talent in Scripture, we're talking about a unit of value. And, and you'll remember, for instance, in Matthew 25, the Lord that came and gave to one of his servants five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent. He went away. He came back. And uh, the one that had five talents had doubled it. He had ten. Uh, and and uh, they made increase, if you will, with what had been given to their care. But the one who had one talent had done nothing. All right? And so we learned then in the Scripture that whatever God has given us, whatever that resource may be, whether according to human standards it is a lot or if it isn't much, here's, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much has been given to you, but you can, whatever amount it has been given to you concerning resources, we must put it to use for his kingdom. The one talent individual is responsible as much as the ten talent individual. One in ten might look like, you know, well, the one with ten has nine more than the one with one. But that was not where the, the big comparison came into place in the parable. It was what did they do with what they were given? Did they do anything for the purpose of putting it toward the kingdom? All right? Increasing the kingdom. And so we learn from verse 23 of this parable. All right? Let me read it. Matthew 25, verse 23. For his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so what we have here is a product or a realization, a reward for correctly using what had been given 
would have been delegated to a steward or to a servant. God had entrusted to them. But when we read verse number 30 of the same parable, it says, And Cassie, the unprofitable servant, the one who received the one and did nothing with it, buried it, hid it in the ground. And Cassie, the unprofitable, look how he's termed the unprofitable servant, into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so there, there, there seems to be a, a punishment, as we see in Scripture, for not doing anything or not correctly doing anything with what had been given unto him. Amen. And, and the fact of the matter in Scripture that we see in these different parables is this, is that we prove ourselves as good stewards. We prove ourselves as faithful stewards. All right. If we'll be faithful over what we've given, the Bible says that he would give us more. The Bible says the one that had the one that had the five and increased the number, he took the, away the one that was given to the one and gave it to the one that had that originally the five. Amen. Because he knew he could depend on that gentleman or that woman. All right. He could depend upon that person because they were faithful over what they had to begin with. All right. Amen. And in the beginning, he gives to everyone. The Bible says according to their several ability. That's what the Bible says. According to their several ability, he gives to each individual what they are capable of handling. Gives to each what they are capable of handling. Oh, Lord, help me. If we ever despair and get into the number game, they have more, I have less. God has given according to what you're capable of handling. And if we cannot demonstrate to him, we can handle what you've given us. We cannot think that he'll give us more to mishandle. Amen. And so, so that's the parable then of the talents. There's also the parable in Luke 16, parable of what's uh, denoted kind of like, you know, a little superscript over as the wasteful servant, a wasteful servant. In Luke chapter number 16, you might want to open there. I might grab a, a verse or two from there. And so the wasteful steward or the wicked steward, um, he had to take opportunity to repent while he had opportunity. All right. Again, if he had been faithful in little or faithful in little, he that is faithful in little, let me find the verse, is faithful in, in much. Verse number 10 of Luke 16. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in least is also unjust in much. That's an important principle. In other words, if a person is is faithful with little, they'll be faithful with much. If they're unfaithful with little, they'll be unfaithful with much. It kind of already goes to what I, I just said. Giving a person more will not increase the likeliness of them being faithful. Because we, we, we are the boy crying in that episode many times in our lives, and I think sometimes we don't even realize it. If I had more time, If I had more money, the answer is not more. The answer is how do we steward what's been given to us? Amen. And so if we're we're faithful over a few, we'll we'll be faithful over much. Unjust over a little, we'll be unjust over much. The amount doesn't change the characterization of the steward. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we want to be counted worthy Amen. 
to be able to be untrusted because here's the fact of the matter. And, of course, here he's speaking of just carnal means here in Luke chapter number 16. Uh, But if he will entrust us with these natural things and we can be entrusted with them, then perhaps he can entrust us with some spiritual things. According to the parable, the regard is this. How we manage carnal things may be an indicator of how we'll manage spiritual things. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 11 of Luke 16. He says, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, mammon, monetary goods, all right, wealth, who will commit to you the trust of the true riches? And in speaking of that, it's talking about the things of the spirit, the things that be of spiritual context. All right. And so no steward can serve God and wealth. All right. Can absolutely be a servant to God and wealth. You got to be a servant to God. Manage the wealth as the one who gave you the wealth. Amen. Desires. All right. Stewardship. So when we speak of stewardship. And I'm keeping track of time. I I set me a landing spot closer because I knew how this would be today. I didn't want to get in certain areas and not be able to finish it out. Amen. So, people smiling at me in here. All right. Stewards, if if you had a uh, a set of qualifications, if you were a a person seeking for a steward. Uh, if Brother Mason needed a steward out at Motorad, they do need a lot of help out there right now. You look online, you can find job opportunities. It's a little commercial for Motorad. Amen. But if they were looking for a steward right now, at the top of their list of qualifications would be this. Must be faithful. Must be faithful. First Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 2, it says, Moreover, it is required. Requires a strong word. It's not suggested. It is required. It's, it's not optional. It is required. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That a man be found faithful. The American Heritage Dictionary defines faithful as this. Adhering strictly to the person, cause, or idea to which one is bound. Dutifully and loyal. Worthy of trust or credence. Consistently reliable. At Motorad, they might have that at the top of their list too. That person be found faithful. I don't know. That's just my own supposition. Uh, but, but nonetheless, uh, they must be found faithful. And we have scriptural precedents and places in the scripture where people, men and women, earned their distinction in, in the record of scripture because they were faithful. The Bible says in the Old Testament that Moses was faithful in all his house. The Bible says that Abraham was faithful before God. Uh, in Nehemiah, when they were returning to Jerusalem and they were rebuilding the walls and the gates, the Bible says that Nehemiah set some individuals of the tribes as treasurers, amen, over finances and money. And the Bible says he appointed them. You can find this in Nehemiah 13. He appointed these particular ones as treasurers because they were faithful. Daniel was found faithful. 
and his service to the king, but more importantly to his service to God. Timothy was found, the Bible says, faithful in the Lord. Tychius was found faithful as a minister unto the Lord. Onesimus was found as a faithful brother. So there's something to be said for faithfulness. Amen. So faithfulness, of course, though, in stewardship means that we must be true then to our duty of stewardship. We must be loyal. We must be adhering strictly to the purpose, all right, of why these resources have been given to us. We're trustworthy. We're responsible. We're utilizing these resources that God has loaned, that God has loaned to us, again, for the benefit of Him. Now, that's not to say uh, for instance, on the very monetary means that we don't buy groceries or we don't pay our bills. But what this means is we don't do that and leave the other undone. Amen. We're, we're not even talking about treasure yet. We will eventually, all right? But the Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse 20, a faithful man shall abound. Look at this. Look at this principle. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Hey, I mean, it's like, tell me where to sign, right? Abound with blessings. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent or basically will not be unpunished. If that's his sole focus, if that's all he is consumed with. And so one, one thing that we must be a steward over, and I might get through this and this would be it for today, but one thing that we must be a steward over is a steward of our time. When I say our time, I'm saying the time that he has given us. Because we all know, don't we, as this world turns and as we grow older, that really our years upon this earth are quite brief. The Bible says that life is here today, and it's like a vapor. It vanishes away. It passes very quickly. You cast your eyes over your shoulders, and uh, I think any adult would probably do this somewhere in their life and say, just where has the time gone? And so we're to use whatever time it is that we are given. And none of us know that exact day or year. But we're to use the time that we have been given upon this earth, time that God has allotted to us upon this earth to use it wisely. Consider, if you will, what the psalmist said in Psalms 90 and verse number 9. Starting, he says, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. That's very poetic. We spend our years just like some story that is told later. The days of our years, here it is, are three score years and ten. A score is, 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 is ten or uh, twenty years, three times two is sixty, carry it to the ten, seventy. That's seventy years. A score is twenty years. Three score, 60, 70. There's your math for today. He says, the days of our years are 70. He said, if by reason of strength they be four score or 80 years, look now, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow. In other words, if they were to even live 80 years because of strength, still yet, it is much uh, infiltrated those years with labor and sorrow. In other words, he said, it doesn't matter if you have 70 years, 80 years, lesser or more. Your life, to some degree, is going to be filled with labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. 
Who knoweth the power of thine anger or even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Look at this verse right here. He's summing this up. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What's he saying? We need to use the time that has been given to us wisely. We need to be good stewards over the time that has been given to us. Uh, There is the busy life today. There is the busy life today. And uh, the fact of the matter is this, in the busy lives of today, and some people perhaps it's slowing down with coronavirus, I don't know, but in the busy lives of today, unless we specifically plan to give a portion of our time to God, it will go ungiven. Because schedules are hectic, pressures are evident, and... uh, Many times they will come and be the thieves if we have not purposely scheduled it. And you say, Brother McGee, that sounds weird. Listen, if you know personally it will not happen, time with God is what I'm talking about. Because we're talking about the time of our life. If you know that time with God will not happen unless you schedule it, then schedule it because that scheduled appointment on your daily calendar is just as important as your doctor's appointment. It's, it's just as important as the, the line you got draped over for vacation. Schedule it if necessary, if that's the way in which you can protect the schedule. It. And let me say it like this, treat it as that something scheduled. Treat it as that something that is an appointment. How many times you ever told somebody, well, I can't because I got an appointment that day at such time. Treat it just as important. If it's time with God and they're like, you know what, I, I tell you what, I would. but You don't have to go into details. I got an appointment at that hour. I got, I got an appointment at that hour. And, and I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to get that rescheduled. You know, and, and so, so, so schedule those times with God. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There's one aspect of redeeming in the Greek that means buy back, but there is another aspect of the Greek word redeeming that means making proper use of. Oh. Making proper use of the time. Because the days are evil. And so when we talk about stewards of our time, we in our personal devotion to God, right? We must be a steward of that. Amen. I'll go a step further. Before we attempt to be faithful in our service to God and in our duty, whatever capacity we may serve in the church to God and our work unto the Lord, we must... We need to make it a priority to be faithful in our personal relationship with God. It's the old Mary Martha syndrome, right? Before being faithful and serving the Lord there, let's be a Mary that sits down at his feet and spends some time with him and take that good part, as Christ said, that would not be taken away from Mary. All right, so we need to set apart time in our lives, amen, for devotion unto the Lord, amen. Service in the kingdom of God, amen. Faithful to the house of God, right? Faithful to the house of God. And what are we talking about, you know, our service to the kingdom, being faithful to that? Man, there's all kinds of things people may, you know, faithful to our to revivals and to fellowships, whether it's men or women and 
Well, amen. Fundraising, evangelistic endeavors, work days, the gamut just runs over and over. Amen. But we must be faithful unto the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse 24, if I may, verse 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so there is something about when God's people come together. And, and I know we're, we've been in a time right now, amen, that wisdom has, has dominated us not joining in uh, uh, to service and others have to go back to that. But whenever the opportunity is there for us to be here, we need to try to be here. And someone might say, well, Brother, Brother McGee, I can provoke somebody to love and good works through Facebook and on the phone. And I don't disagree with that at all. Surely you can. But the scripture said not forsaken the assembling of yourselves. All right, and there's no way to get around that. We're not to abandon that or desert that, you know, desert that all together. As a matter of fact, when we talk about the assembling of ourselves together, there's a Greek word used there that the only other place that that same word is used is in Thessalonians. And whenever it's used in Thessalonians, it's talking about the gathering together of the people on the day of rapture. Now, if if that gives us precedence about what type of gathering it's talking about for church, then it's talking about a literal gathering together of people that's coming together for the purpose, amen, of the Lord. For that matter, consider for a moment one of the, the, the grand springboards to the deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt was this. Pharaoh, let us go three days into the wilderness as a nation with are men, women, children, flocks to go to the mount of God to make sacrifice. What was that? Worship. The very springboard for deliverance from Egypt was them gathering together to the mount of God as an assembly for worship. Amen. And so we got to put in our schedules time, a portion of our time each week for personal devotion, all right, and doing the father's business, doing the father's business. Because, again, if we're saying, well, if I just had more time, no, the time that you even have been given from him, your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. And so he is saying, if I give them this resource, what will they do then to benefit my kingdom because it belongs to me? Amen. And so we need to be stewards of our Time. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we'll put a little pin there. Amen. Maybe look at some other things. I'll sum up saying this. A quote from a book that I read some time ago now. Somebody here in the church took it whenever I presented it. Called Addicted to Busy by Bradley Boyd. He said it is actually, it actually is possible to be too busy putting out other fires to notice that your own house is on fire. Amen. And so just throwing that, that direction this morning for consideration. Amen. We're going to pray here this morning that God would help mold us and make us and that we would be malleable to be faithful and wise stewards over the different resources that he, 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 he gives unto our lives. Amen. Remember, there, there is church here tonight at 6 the doors are open at 540. 
Amen. We'll come together and worship the Lord together. We'll assemble together. Amen. And worship the Lord. Father, I come to you today. God, I'm so thankful, Lord. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you would even entrust us. I'm thankful, Lord, that you would even entrust us and acknowledge, Lord, and allot, God, different resources of yours into our lives, time and talent and, God, uh, treasure, testimony, all these things that you would, Lord, commit into our lives and our care, Lord, that we would be stewards and managers over, that we would, Lord, function and operate with them, Lord, to what you would desire. God, what would best, Lord, promote the kingdom of God to whom all these things own and belong? I pray, oh, Lord, today, Jesus, help me to be faithful in these regards. Help me, O oh Lord Jesus, to be faithful, I pray. God, for I know, God, that he that is faithful abound, Lord Jesus, blessing unto that man or unto that woman. God, you've given to us as, as according to our several ability, according to our capability. But I pray, O oh Lord, that we could be diligent in such a matter that if we are faithful in few, we would be faithful, Lord God, in much. And you could, Lord, lend more unto our care because you see, Lord, our diligence in being a steward and being faithful over it. I pray, oh God, bless your people. Strengthen them. God, continue to heal those, Lord, in need of it, Lord, and nurse them back to health. And we'll give you the praise and the glory, God, for what you do in this hour. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. God bless you this morning in Jesus' name, and we will see you again this evening tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.